All right, I will say good morning. Let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors. I thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Shvat, the Elbaum Mishpacha, for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushos this month in commemoration of the yard site of their beloved husband and father, Jerry Yaakov Kapo ben Avram Menachem, Zichron Levracha. To thank Bracha Strimber for dedicating all the Shurim and Drushos this month in loving memory of her husband, Avi Strimber, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi. We thank our Week of Learning sponsor, uh, Moshe, Moshe and Ellen Givant, in memory of Anne Ellen's mother, Joyce Rubin Blockman, Nechama Bas Shalom Yitzchak, on the occasion of her third yard site, and Mr. Larry Sufnis for dedicating the week of learning in memory of his beloved wife, Tanya, Yona Bas Yaakov. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families a Neshama. We'll say with that, let us begin. A beautiful daf, a lot, a lot of gemara ahead of us today. Today's daf is Samech Tes, 69. And we are picking up in Merit Hashem on Samech Tes Amadeis, 68b. So we'll say we are picking up in Merit Hashem at the two dots. Amar Rebbe Lozer. So it's about uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, about 26 lines up from the bottom. So also, if you remember again, we saw the really fascinating Machlokis, Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua, about the nature of Yamtiv. Rabbi Eliezer explained that Yamtiv is, is, is an either-or experience. Rabbi Eliezer says either a person has the ability to go ahead and the Ochal Oshosa, O Yoshev Vishona. Either one has the ability to transform Yantiv ultimately again into a physically enjoyable experience or a spiritually enjoyable experience. Whereas Rabbi Yoshua explained Chalkeu, you have to split it. Chatziyav Lachem, the Chatziyav Lahashem. So Rabbi the Gemara goes into that Machlokis just a little bit. So we already saw that they both go ahead and Darshan Psukim. One Pasik says, Atzeres Lahashem Alokecho, and one Pasik says, Atzeres Tihiyah Lochem. So which one is it? Is the Atzeres for Hashem? Is the Atzeres Lochem? So that's the Machlokis. Rabbi Lezer says, you could choose, and ultimately Rabbi Yoshua says you split it. Says the Gemara, "Am Rabbi Lazar, I call Moldin Batzaris Debo Yinolachem." Suppose say this is very beautiful. Now we're going to take this discussion and kind of bring it down to specific Yom Tov. So Rabbi Lazar says everyone agrees on Atzeres. Rabbi Lazar now Atzeres in this particular context is a reference to Shavuos. Everyone agrees that on Shavuos there must be an element of personal enjoyment. We'll call it material or physical enjoyment. So the Gemara said, my time, i this is so beautiful. In other words, even Rabbi Eliezer, right? Remember again, this is Rabbi Lazar talking. Even Rabbi Eliezer who said that on Yom Tiv, if you choose to make it a kulo Hashem, you decide, you know what? I'm not focusing on suudos. I'm not focusing on meat and wine. I'm going to spend the whole day in the base medrash. So Rabbi Eliezer says, you could do that. Comes along Rabbi Lazar says, that's true. But not on Shavuos. Just listen to this. Everyone agrees that on Shavuos, there must be an aspect, an element of physical celebration on Yom Tiv. Why? My taima, Yom Shenitna Torah, Because it is the day that Torah was given. So we'll say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Supposed to listen to how beautiful this is. Because the, the idea of Allah is saying over here that on Shavuos, everyone has to demonstrate that they are so happy that they have Torah. How do you demonstrate that you're so happy you have Torah? Meat and wine. Celebratory. In other words, you would think the best way to celebrate Torah is how? Is how? Learn it. Learn it. 
That's true, but the truth is a lot of people learn and they're miserable. But most people, when they're eating a nice meal, are pretty happy. So the idea is I have to do something. I have to do something to go ahead and demonstrate my incredible joy in learning Torah. So therefore, even those who claim that by other Yamim Tovim, you could have a Kula Lashem on Shavuos, there must be at least the Chatzit Lachem as well, which is really incredible. Rabbi Rabbi says, Hakol Ba'inam B'Shabbos, Rabbi says, even on Shabbos, everyone agrees that there must be an element of Lachem. My taima, vikarasa la Shabbos oneg. Because you're both saying, the Pasik says, the Pasik says, Navi Nishaya, you will call the Shabbos a delight. So you're both saying, we know this. There's a din of Oneg Shabbos, and the din of Oneg Shabbos demands that we physically enjoy the Shabbos. Again, through beautiful pseudos, through Menucha on Shabbos. Amrav Yosef, Hakamodim Bapurim. Well, so this is very exciting. You know, now again, it's Shloshim Yom. Right now, again, it's post two B'Shvat. It's right there, the 16th day of Shvat. We're within Shloshim Yom. Purim is exactly four weeks from today. So now we have a Gemara on Purim. Rabbi Yosef says, everyone agrees by Purim that you have to have Lachem, that you have to have an element of physical joy. Because again, the Megillah says that there are days of celebration. Marbrei Dravina, we'll say, listen to how beautiful this is. Marbrei Dravina, Marbrei Dravina, he fasted the entire year. Now, of course, it doesn't literally mean he fasted the entire year. It means is he fasted throughout the year. With the exception, of course, of Shavuos, Purim, and Erev Yom Kippur. Now, we'll say, what he did on Shabbos is an interesting discussion Excuse me, amongst the Rishonim, but we don't have to get into that now. The idea over here is that he did not fast on these three days that we just mentioned. Shavuos, Purim, and Erev Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, Atzeres, Yom Shunit Torah. He doesn't fast on Shavuos because, again, you have to physically demonstrate that you are overjoyed about the reception of the Torah through physical enjoyment. Yom Shunit Torah. will say also, the idea of feasting on Shavuos is, is also part of the incredible Hashkafas Torah that what Torah allows us to do is to be ma'ala the chomer, is to take that which is physical and material and infuse holiness into it. So feasting by itself could be something very mundane and very unholy. But ultimately, again, when done through the prism of Torah, could become a form of avodah Hashem as well. So the Gemara says, Puriya, Purim we spoke about before. I'm sorry, it's from Shunit Torah. Puriya, Yime Mishta Vesimchok, Sivan Purim, it says, there are days of celebration. Male Yoma de Kipuri, what about Erev Yom Kippur? The Tanichia Barav Midifti, Vinisim Esnaf Shosechem Batisha Lachodesh. The Pasik says, by Yom Kippur, you shall afflict your soul on the ninth of the month. So the Gemara says, the ninth of the month, the Chibatisha, Hey Misan, Valabasir Misanin. You don't fast on the ninth of the month, we fast. Yom Kippur is the tenth of Tishrei, not the ninth of Tishrei. Rather, what do we learn? Elalomar Lacho. That what? That those who go ahead and eat on the ninth, it is considered as if they have fasted on the ninth and the tenth. So the Torah is going to say, you don't fast on the ninth, but eating on the ninth is such a mitzvah that it's ki'ilu. If you eat on the ninth, you would go ahead and you, it's as if you fasted on the ninth and the tenth. Well, so, you know, we've seen this before. The Imam Masech brings down different Tanam and Amaram who would walk around 
the whole day was like a, like a sucking candy, right? In, in order to go ahead and be engaged in the act of achila throughout the day. There are some mitzvahs, Baruch Hashem, that are very easily attainable. So we'll say, listen to how beautiful this Gemara is. Rav Yosef, Tsarta. So Rav Yosef on Shavuos, on Shavuos, Amar, Ivdili Igla Tilsa. Make for me an Igla Tilsa. We'll say, so you've seen Igla Tilsa. It either means a third-born calf, or it could mean a calf that has reached one-third of its maturity. Either way, it's a delicacy, right? Igla Tilsa was like the finest delicacy in the times of the Gemara. So Rav Yosef would say, on Shavuos, make for me an Igla Tilsa. Amar, he said, this is so beautiful. I lo hayoma de kagarim. Were it not for this day, Kama Yosef Ika Beshuka. Were it not for this day, how many Yosefs would there be in the marketplace? Now, I'll say, what does this mean? What Rav Yosef was saying was something so beautiful and incredibly profound. What makes me special? What makes me special? See, I'll say, what makes me special in this world? What makes me special is my Torah. Because I'll say, if you think about it, everything else you have in life, Right? Whatever abilities or skills you have, those are not yours. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you them. Of course, you could fine-tune them. Right? You could hone them. But at the end of the day, if I have intellectual ability, I have athletic ability, those are things given to me by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That doesn't, that doesn't make me me. That doesn't make me me. I could put in my ishtarlis to make it better. The only thing that makes me me is my spiritual identity. Because at the end of the day, that is the one thing that I control. Hakol bidi shamayim chutz miyer means the only thing I control in this world is my ruchnius. I put in ishtadlos effort in all of the other areas. But the only thing I actually control at the end of the day, after 120, when you want to know what your truest accomplishments are, I will say, think about this, right? person has a, a beautiful mishpacha. Well, again, only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can make that happen. If, if, I get, if I have that bracha, if I don't have... So even the things that we normally think about as our accomplishments, I, it's not really me. I put in the Heshtadlus to help things happen. But by Ruchnius, by Ruchnius, the spiritual identity I cultivate, that's me. That's, that's me. That's the Akobid Yishayim, Chutzmi Yishayim. So amazingly enough, Rav Yosef says over here, he had a special celebration for Shavuos because he said... Were it not for Torah, I would just be another face in the crowd. What makes me, me? How many Yosefs would there be in the shuk? Right? There are, plenty, there are plenty of people who are good at many different things. But at the end of the day, what distinguishes us one from the other is the quality of our spiritual persona. It's an incredible gemara. Kam Yosef Iko Beshuka. Rav Yosef Koshet is called Tlasin Yomin. Mahadrali Tamuda. Vitali Be'ivradash. Well, this is the great gemara. Rav Sheshaz. Every 30 days, he would review all of his learning. Mosei, can you imagine that? Right? Every 30 days, he would review his learning. Okay. And what would happen? He would then stand by the, in the doorway. He would say, he would announce, My soul rejoice, my soul rejoice. I'm sorry. I have learned for you. I have learned for you. What 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 Rav Yosef? I'm sorry. What Rav Sheshes was saying was he was announcing to his neshama, "Look how much I do for you." Right? I learn for you, I learn Chumash for you, I learn Mishnah for you. I do all of these things to benefit you, my soul. 
So the Gemara says, Ini, is that so? Is that so? That a person learns for his own benefit, for the sake of his soul? Rabbi Lazar says, were it not for Torah, the earth itself would not endure. In other words, Torah learning is necessary to sustain the entire earth. It doesn't just sustain your neshama. It sustains the earth. So listen to this phrase. Gemara says, you're right. You're right, Say Torah does sustain the world. But to be very honest, when we begin to learn, most of us don't begin to learn for the sake of sustaining the world. But rather, again, we begin to learn for what? For the sake of sustaining ourselves. So the Yesli Gemara says, Be'ikara, from the beginning, Ki avid inish, when a person learns Torah, Ovid, I'm sorry, Adaita dinaf Ovid. He does it for himself. He does it for himself, which I will say, the Gemara is espousing something very profound. At the end of the day, the reason we do the things we do in life is because they are self-serving in some way. Now, I know that sounds like a little bit base, but, but, it, but it's not. At the, at the end of the day, when we approach any, any life endeavor, generally what we say is, what's in it for me? That's generally the way it works. Now, hopefully the goal is that we graduate past that. That's the goal. But the Gemara is saying, we can't ignore human nature. And human nature is, I'll do something, I'll engage something, but most of the times not for altruistic purposes. I'll do it because there's some type of benefit. And I both say this, you know, the, the, the secret to success in life, well, I don't know what the secret to success in life is, but I would think that one of the secrets of success in life is being honest with yourself about yourself and being honest about your motivations. I'm not an altruistic person. I try to be altruistic, but Lamaise, at the end of the day, when I do things, they definitely have some self-serving purpose. And by the way, sometimes that self-serving purpose that sometimes that, that sounds sinister. Self-serving purpose could just be, I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good. So I'm, I'm going to help out Plony. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Because I just want to feel good about myself. That's also called self-serving. That's not a bad thing. But Lamai said to be aware of our motivation. So isn't this incredible? Torah sustains the universe. Is that the reason most of us learn? <laughs> no, I'm not going to take a show of hands. No. No, the reason most of us learn is because, again, maybe I want schar, maybe I want reward. Or I think for many of us, because we feel good about ourselves when we learn. Because I feel good about how I'm building my neshama. And I feel good about how I'm building my identity when I learn. So the Gemara says, okay, you're right, you're right. And, and that's what Rav Sheshis was saying. Rav Sheshis was saying, neshama, look what I do for you. Look what I do. All of this, chumash, all, this all for you. I said, really? Do it all for you? What about the earth? What about, this? What about sustaining the world? Sure, yeah, that's, that's good too. That's good too. I'm happy to sustain the world. But Lamaisa, when I start out in my spiritual journey, my primary motivation is what can I do for me, an incredibly profound Gemara. Amr Vashi. So we'll say, Ulamai Amr Rabbi Eli Ezra Yom Tov Nami Yom Tov Rishos Isle Pircha. So we'll say, so remember again, let's go back for just a moment. Now we're heading back to the Mishnah. So remember again, we're now coming to the end of the Mishnah, where the Mishnah recorded a whole number of a back and forth between Rabbi Eli Ezer, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yoshua, about how we learn out the different things in Yom Tiv, or I should say on Ere Pesach that falls out on Shabbos, what should be permitted, what shouldn't be permitted. So Amr Avashi, that which Rabbi Eliezer said about Yom Tiv has a Pircha. What did Umay Yom Tiv shehitir b'omolacha shal rishos lo hitir shavos shiman. Remember again, Rabbi Eliezer said that on Yom Tiv, you're allowed to engage in what's called a rishos. Meaning what? That I could do malacha on Yom Tiv, 
even for quote unquote non mitzvah purposes. Now, I will say now, remember, what does it mean non mitzvah purposes? Just my own mundane needs. My own mundane needs. So that Kavachomer has a pircha. What's the pircha? So the Gemara says, Lo hitter shvus shiima Shabbos shlo hitter ba elam alacha shal mitzvah. Ainol din shlo tatir shvus ima. So certainly Shabbos, where again halacha lemaisa, I'm not allowed to do any malacha, right? I'm not allowed to do any malacha, even malacha for a mitzvah. Certainly dine drabanan apply as well. Top of samech test. Rabbi Eliezer shvus the mitzvah adifle. Rabbi Eliezer will say that it's true, but at the end of the day, allowing a shvus related to a mitzvah still will take precedence. Tanya, I'm Rabbi Eliezer Umali. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Eliezer says as follows. And what what am I supposed to say to this? How should I retort? Im dachu machshire mitzvah shela acher shchitas hashabbos. So we'll say if we see that what machshire mitzvah. Machshire mitzvah that take place after shechita or doche Shabbos. The avid le mitzvah. Because I will say now. Remember again what they're referring to over here is as follows. When we look at the list of items that are permitted, that are permitted after you shech the carbon bezach. So it is interesting to note as follows: you do the shechita, right, and then after the shechita, there's a whole bunch of other, technically speaking, isurei drabanan that will be permitted. Right, for example, again, we're going to discuss exactly why there are Israeli Rabbanon, but for example, the, the squeezing out of the, uta- the intestines, the burning of the fats. So the Gemara says something very interesting over here. We are allowing Machshire Mitzvah, we are allowing ultimately again these other smaller prohibited acts even after the Shechita is done. Imdachu Machshire Mitzvah Shela Acher Shechita Sashabis, this Avevei Mitzvah. Sibo said, I could have made the argument like this. Maybe machshire mitzvah should only be allowed on Shabbos, a of Pesach, when they precede the shechita. But once the shechita is done, maybe everything else should have to wait until after Shabbos. So yitru machshire mitzvah shalifnei shechita sa Shabbos. So if you're going to allow machshire mitzvah after shechita, should you also not allow machshire mitzvah before the shechita? Amr Rabbi Akiva. So the Gemara says, "Demali imdachu machshire mitzvah shela achar shechita sa Shabbos." Shari dach sa shechita sa Shabbos. Tomar yitru machshire mitzvah shalifnei shechita sa Shabbos. Shelo dach sa shechita sa Shabbos. So we'll say Rabbi Akiva gives a very interesting retort. He says, "No, the logic could be as follows: that halacha lamaisa, it could very well be everyone will agree." that Shechita of the Karab Pesach is permitted on Erev Pesach that falls on Shabbos, right? Everyone agrees that we already proved that from Psukim. So Rabbi Akiva says like this, maybe the logic is as follows. Once Shechita comes along and sets aside Shabbos, activities that follow Shechita are automatically permitted because it's almost as if Shechita has come along and paved the way for a carbonic activity. But maybe before Shechita, Machshire Mitzvah will not be permitted. Why? Because there is no act that has come along yet and paved the way for quote-unquote violation of Shabbos. Davrach, another possibility is, Shema Yimatzei Zevach Pasel, V'nimtza Mechalalesa Shabbos L'mafreya. Furthermore, there's another issue. The other reason why we shouldn't allow you to engage in Machshire Mitzvah before, we'll say for example, remember, one of the things you can't do with Karban Pesach is you can't bring it from outside of the Tchum. That's an example, ultimately, again, of Machshire Mitzvah, Lifnei Hashchita. So Rabbi Akiva is suggesting that maybe you can't do Machshire Mitzvah before Shchita because you need a dramatic act 
almost to like, to borrow a partial allusion, to kind of split the waters of Shabbos. You need a dramatic act to say ultimately again that Shabbos is set aside and therefore you could pursue this carbonic course. But before the Shkita, there's no dramatic act to split the waters of Shabbos. Furthermore, Rabbi Akiva says there's something else, which is what? What happened if we allow machshire mitzvah before Shabbos? I'm sorry, before Shabbos, before Shechita, then, then what could happen? What happens if you then shech the animal and the animal is unfit for carbonic use? Then it turns out that what? Shema yimatzei zevach So maybe, maybe again, the animal will be a trefah or the carbon won't be good. And if you've done machshire mitzvah before the Shechita, it turns out that what? You've actually violated the Shabbos. The right retroactively, you violated Shabbos. Rabbi says, whoa, hold on to that, because Ihachi, Mishchat, Nami Lo Nishchat, Shema Yimatzei Zevach Pasov, and Nimsa Machal, Shabbos Lamafreya. One second, if you're going to use that argument that we are concerned that maybe the carbon is going to be found to be unfit, and therefore it turns out that you are Machal Shabbos, the truth is, you could, why do we even allow Shechita altogether? Right? Why don't we just say you can never shech the carbon on Shabbos? Because we'll say it turns out that if the animal is unfit, which, which by the way, of course, you don't know till you open up the animal. Obviously, an animal could have some simani trefas externally, but more often than not, when you find an animal to be a trefa, that is an internal, that is an internal injury. You find something on the lungs or something else. You don't know that until you open that animal up. So why don't we say you should never be able to shech the carbon on Pesach because the animal may be possible and halach lemaisa. It turns out you've done the malacha for no purpose. To which the Gemara says, Ella, so obviously we don't say that. Obviously we don't subscribe to that idea because we do offer up carbonos on Shabbos. Ella ha amrale bereisha uparche bahadra amrale ha demali. Rather, Rabbi the Gemara says, you're right, just switch around the order ultimately of the dialogue. Fine. So Rabbi Akiva comes along and he says, we can prove from Hazal. So remember again, this line in the Mishnah, this line in the Mishnah was as follows. Um, Rabbi Akiva says, Hazal tochiach, shehi mitzvah, shehi mitzvah, vehi mishum shavos, Rabbi Akiva wanted to suggest as follows. Rabbi Akiva said, you could see we don't allow Hazah. Now Hazah sprinkling is referring to the individual who is Tomei Tumas Meis, right? Tomei Tumas Meis, who requires a sprinkling of the Paraduma waters on day three and day seven. Let's say for argument's sake, day seven falls out on Shabbos, which is Erev Pesach. We do not sprinkle the water on him on Shabbos. Now, I'll say, now what's wrong with sprinkling the water on a guy who's tummy on Shabbos? What's wrong with it? So remember again, we saw this in Rashi in the Mishnah. Tikkun mana, tikkun gavra. It has the appearance of fixing something. Or, or saying it a little bit differently. Change, changing the state of an item from one state to another. Has the appearance of tikkun mana, fixing an object. Therefore, sprinkling on the individual who's tummy ultimately is, and it's a drabanon. So Rabbi Akiva says something amazing. Rabbi Akiva says, you see, that although sprinkling is a mitzvah, it is asr midrabanon, and it's not docha Shabbos. It's not docha Shabbos. So to Rabbi Akiva will say, these other activities mentioned in the Mishnah, which are also isri drabanon, and although they're mitzvah related, you can't do them on Shabbos. To which the Yimar Satanya, Amr Rabbi Akiva, so Rabbi Eliezer said to Rabbi Akiva, so I'm sorry, so that, then, then the Gemara, then I'm sorry, there's one more piece of the exchange. Rabbi Eliezer says, it doesn't make sense and I'll tell you why. Because if Shechita, which is a Malachis Docha Shabbos, 
then certainly again these smaller activities which are only Asr Midirabanon should be Docha Shabbos as well. To which Rabbi Akiva said, or I could flip that on his head. Maybe I'll say that if Hazal, if sprinkling the waters of the Paraduma is going to be Asr on Shabbos, then what? Certainly Shechita should be Asr on Shabbos as well. Now I will say, Rabbi Akiva obviously doesn't mean that. Because everyone knows that carbonic shechita is permitted on Shabbos, right? Even carbon Pesach, carbon Tom, we know that. So Rabbi Akiva was just trying to make a hyperbolic point. Now here's what's interesting. Tanya, Akiva, Sheftani, Akiva, you tried to, to slug up my argument with shechita, which you know again is incorrect. Beshchita tehei misaso. Your death should be through shechita as well. So we'll say a very severe statement. Rabbi Eliezer was very upset at Rabbi Akiva because he thought Rabbi Akiva was making fun of him. He thought he was mocking him because Rabbi Akiva advanced an argument that obviously was, was incorrect. So Rabbi Eliezer took it as a personal slight. Amr lo, Rabbi, al He said, Rabbi. So Rabbi Akiva responds to him. He says, Rabbi, please, do not go ahead and forget that which you told me, that you taught me. Kach mikublani mimcha. This is what you taught me, Rabbi. Hazah shavosu sprinkling of the words of the Paraduan on the individual, is asr midrabanan, and it's not docha shabbos. So Rabbi Akiva was saying to Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi, you taught us this halacha. So why are you now forgetting? Why, why are you now ignoring it? You taught it to us. Why are you ignoring it? So that begins Rabbi Eliezer. If you in fact taught this, why did you retract it? Amr Ula Rabbi Eliezer ki Agmare hazo de truma Agmare de truma gufa lo Shabbos. Oh. We'll say, watch this. When Rabbi Eliezer taught this halacha that you cannot sprinkle waters on the individual who is Tomei Tomas Meis, that was if the individual wants to eat truma. So we'll say, what if you have the following situation? Cohen wants to eat truma. Cohen can't eat truma in a state of Tuma. So what does he want to do? He's Tomei Tomas Meis. Day, day number seven of his sprinkling is Shabbos. He wants to get sprinkled with the waters of the Paraduma. Rabbi Eliezer says you can't. Rabbi Eliezer says why not? Why does Rabbi Eliezer say you can't do the sprinkling? Because truma itself cannot be separated on Shabbos, right? Rabbi, so you're not allowed to separate truma and Isris on Shabbos because once again, it's it looks like you're fixing an item. So since you can't separate truma and Isris on Shabbos, Rabbi Eliezer said you also can't be sprinkled with waters of paraduma on Shabbos. In other words, that's where you can't sprinkle. Rabbi Akiva nami ki osva hazad the truma osve shohi mitzvah vihim yishum shavos. Rabbi Akiva was also raising this exact point. Rabbi Akiva was saying, you can't sprinkle the paraduma waters in order to eat truma, even though again it's a mitzvah and it's also midirah bonon. But Husa Rabbi Lezer thought, hazad the Pesach kamosivah. So also Rabbi Lezer says that, Rabbi, sorry, the Gemara says, Rabbi Lezer thought that Rabbi Akiva was talking about hazah of carbon Pesach which of course he was not. I will say a very profound Gemara. So you see the, a misunderstanding, right? How many times in life do we, have, do we have strong reactions to people, unwarranted strong reactions to people because we misunderstand their intentions or we misunderstand their words? Here Rabbi Eliezer thinks that Rabbi Akiva is going ahead and speaking in, in such a disrespectful tone, but it turns out that he really misunderstood what Rabbi Akiva was trying to say. So here's the problem. We have an alternate version, and this alternate version, Rabbi Akiva is not talking about Hazar for Truma, but rather, again, he's talking about 
Erev Pesach. He's Rabbi Akiva says, Hazos tamimestochiach shechal shvi shalolios b'shabes ube Erev Pesach shi mitzvah vihim mishum shvos ve'ena docha asa shabes. Rabbi Akiva says, I'll bring you a raya. I'll bring you a raya that machshire mitzvah are not docha shabes. What's the raya? If Erev Pesach falls out on Shabbos and you have an individual who's tamay tomas meis and he needs his seventh day sprinkling on Shabbos that we don't do it on Shabbos. Rather, what you have to say is that it was in fact Rabbi Eliezer taught Rabbi Akiva that even sprinkling of the waters of the Paraduma in order to consume Kabbalah Pesach are not done on Shabbos. But if that's the case, but if that's the case, then why does Rabbi Eliezer seemingly ignore the very ruling that he advanced? Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Gimare is Rabbi Eliezer forgot. He forgot, I will say. At the end of the day, he forgot that, really, that which he taught. So the Gemara and Rabbi Akiva came along to try to reteach him, to remind him of his ruling. I says, So why doesn't Rabbi Akiva just say straight out, Rabbi, you taught us that you can't do the sprinkling of the waters of Paraduma for someone who's taught Thomas Mace. Even on Erev Pesach that falls out on Shabbos, just say it explicitly. So Rabbi Akiva felt it's inappropriate for a Talmud to explicitly say to his Rabbi, Rabbi, I think you made a mistake. Or I think you went ahead and you forgot something that you taught us. Rabbi Akiva actually thought that he was kind of doing the right thing by reminding Rabbi Eliezer in a roundabout way about his mistaken present ruling, but obviously it didn't work too well because Rabbi Eliezer got very offended. He thought Rabbi Akiva was, was sliding and making fun of him. So the Gemara goes, So let's, let's analyze this just a moment. Why is it that the sprinkling of the waters of the Paraduma are not Tocha Shabbos? So remember again, somebody has their day seven sprinkling on Shabbos. We're now establishing it's not Tocha Shabbos. Why is that? Why is that? Vazo, my Tamilodachi Shabbos. Michti, let's analyze. Tiltule ba'amahu. Tidchi Shabbos Mishum Pesach. So we're assuming right now that kind of the only thing involved in the waters of the Paraduma ultimately is just some carrying, right? Tiltul. So what's the problem? To which the Gemara says, let that be set aside ultimately for Pesach. So interesting enough, Rabbah understands that the concern is you may come to carry it. This is actually very interesting. It's a hotzah issue. You may come to carry the water David Amis in Rosh Hashanah. That's why you can't use it. Amr Lazar, Okay, so first of all, we already saw in the Mishnah that, that's, that this might be an additional reason. So it could be that there are two reasons to go ahead and prohibit the use of the Para Aduma waters on Shabbos Medirah Banan. Possibility that the Gemara is advancing now is we're concerned that you may come to carry it. Dalit Amis in Rosh Sarabim. It's a Hotzah issue. Possibility two, which we saw in the Mishnah, is Tikkun Gavra. That the act of purifying someone who's Tameh has the appearance of fixing an individual, which ultimately, again, has the appearance of Malacha. Now, Boss the Gemara begins a fascinating discussion. So we do have the concept that right? we do have this concept that we'll call it ancillary mitzvah activities to set aside Shabbos. So the word says, That's only when the individual is fit for the mitzvah 
and the obligation devolves upon him. We'll see, I'll, we'll see the example of this in just a moment. Aval halcha, degavre gufei lo chazi, lo ram We'll say this is incredible. So when do we say that machshire mitzvah are docha Shabbos? When is that so? When the individual is chayiv in the mitzvah, right? When the individual, not chayiv, I should say, when the individual is fit to perform the mitzvah. Once you are fit to perform the mitzvah, then the mitzvah and potentially ancillary activities related to the mitzvah are permitted on Shabbos as well. But if the individual is not fit to perform the mitzvah, then there is no rishos for machshire mitzvah. So for example, in this case over here, where you have the individual's tamay tumas meis, he's not fit for the mitzvah. So because he's not fit... Therefore, ultimately, the ancillary activities are not permitted. So the Gemara says, let's analyze this. I'm a rabbi. The Divir Eliezer, according to what Eliezer just said, Katan Bari, Mechamelo Chamel Havroso, Velamolo Bishabbos. So Rabbi says, according to this logic, Katan Bari, a baby, a baby, an eight day old baby who is healthy, what's the halacha? You can go ahead and warm up water for him to go ahead and give him a bath before the milah, before the bris, in order to then give him a bris on Shabbos. So because he's fit. So in other words, I would say giving him a bath before the milah is machshire mitzvah. Machshire mitzvah. So as long as the baby is healthy and ready for the milah, you can even warm up a bath for him before the milah to prepare him for the milah. On the flip side, katan chole, if a baby Rahmanasan is ill, you can't warm up a bath for him. Why? Because since the since the baby is ill, therefore again he's not really fit for Mila. Because he's not fit for Mila, therefore Allah can't warm up the bath either. So the Gemara says, Ella Amarava, sorry, Ella Amarava, to which the Gemara says, no, that's actually incorrect. In other words, a child, an eight-day-old baby, is always considered to be a chola, right? He's always considered to be ill. And therefore, we don't heat up water to give the baby a bath before Shabbos. If the baby is able to go, I'm sorry, bath on Shabbos. So therefore, again, if halacha again, so we don't, we don't warm up a bath to give, sorry, halacha we don't, we don't warm up water to give the baby a bath before Shabbos. Sorry, before the mila on Shabbos. If the baby would need that, the baby would be classified as a chola. And halach lemaisa will not be given a mila on Shabbos. The only thing you're allowed to do on Shabbos, well, say for the mila, is the actual act of the mila itself. Of course, again, if after the mila, chas the baby becomes ill, then that becomes a cholish yishbosakana. That's a different discussion, and that's not related to mila. But in terms of mila itself, the only malacha that is permitted to be done on Shabbos is the actual bris itself. Let's analyze this. Arel Shalom Mal Anush Kares, Devir Rabbi Eliezer. It's an interesting case. If you have an Arel, an Arel is an uncircumcised individual who did not circumcise himself on Erev Pesach in order to be able to eat the Karim Pesach, Anush Kares, he's subject to Kares, subject to Kares because he didn't partake in Karim Pesach. Devir Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, so you might say, one second, V'ha'ha'cha de gavra gufa lo chazi, v'katani Anush Kares, now, this is very interesting, because think about this in just a moment. What do we just say? If someone is in RL and therefore doesn't do the current Pesach, he's Chayef Karis. But why? I will say, if Ruvain's in RL, if Ruvain's in RL, then technically speaking, I should say what? I should say what? He's not Chayef, right? Because in RL is not Chayef in Karim Pesach. So ultimately, again, how is it that he's Chayef Karis? So we see from here that even if the individual is not fit, to perform the mitzvah, the mitzvah obligation still devolves upon him. Amir Abba, 
So Rabbi said this is very important because remember again, Rabbi Elazar said beforehand that you could only do machshiri mitzvah if the individual is fit. But here we see that even if the individual is not fit to perform the mitzvah, there is still mitzvah liability upon them. So the Aurel is not fit to perform the mitzvah. Yet, halacha l'maysa, he's chayiv kares if he doesn't need to come in Pesach. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says, Kasar Eliezer, in shoktin vizarkin al tamei sheretz. So Eliezer holds, that halacha l'maysa, we do not do shechita and zrika for someone who has contracted Tumas sheretz. Amar Beis, v'chol she'ilu biyachid, nitcha b'tzibor avdi b'tumah. The boss is very interesting. Any case where an individual would be deferred to Pesach Sheni, ultimately, again, if the collective is in this state, the tzibar is in this state, they go ahead and they perform the carbon betumah. The chomulsa the isei betzibar, isei biyachid. And any state which will affect the tzibar will also affect the yachid. The chomulsa the lesa betzibar, but I will say any state that would not impact the tzibar, Lesa biyachid does not apply on an individual level. So we're gonna we're gonna illustrate these principles. Arelos. So also listen to this. When it comes to arelos, being an ara and circumcised, di kulet zibur arel ninhu aminon lohu kumu molu nafshaihu vaavidi pischa. So what's very interesting? Let's we'll say what happens if fifty one percent of cloud Yisrael are arelim? However, that would occur, right? Fifty one percent of cloud Yisrael are arelim. So what do we say? What do we say to the fifty one percent? What do you say to them? Get a bris. <laughs> That's it. Get a bris. You've got a couple of hours until nightfall. Get a bris. Get a bris. So kumi mahulu nafshaihu, nafshaihu, vavidi pischa, yachid nami aminale, kum mahul vavid pischa. We say to him, so we say, you have an individual who's RL on our Pesach. What do we say to him? Get a bris. Get a bris. We'll say, would it be, again, I don't know this to be historically true, but it'd be fascinating to know, like, did they have Maulim on site, right? On site. I mean, hopefully not right on site, but right, you know, like off site maybe, off site molim. Again, let's say you know the, the notion of an uncircumcised Jew is a very strange thing, especially if you're talking about a Jew who was Ola Regal. Now, of course, again, we spoke about the idea of mesu echav machmas milo, which is if a person was uncircumcised for medical reasons, that's something else. But again, it's interesting. So and therefore, again, if the individual does not get a bris milah, right, anush karis, ultimately, again, I will say, subject to karis, because I will say, essentially, what the Gemara saying is like this, arelos is a rectifiable state, right, you could rectify the arelos, so you say to the individual, go ahead and get a bris, go ahead and get a bris, tumah, so we'll say when it comes to Toma, we we'll remember again what happens if the entire klal is Tame. And when I say entire, it's only 51%. Toma, when it comes to if the Tzibor is Tame, lo madinan alayu, ela avdi betuma. We'll say, so remember again, if 51% of the Tzibor is Tame, we offer up to carbon Pesach in a state of Toma. Yachid nami pater. So to Rabbi say, if the individual is Tame, and therefore does not do carbon Pesach, he's not subject to Kari. So we'll say, you hear this interesting principle the Gemara is espousing. Any state where the Tzibur essentially again would have to rectify, the individual has to rectify. And therefore again, Arelos. If the Tzibur are Arelim, they would tell them, get a brismila. The individual is in Arel, get a brismila. And if you don't, you're subject to Kari's for failure to perform the carbon Pesach. 
Tumah, where if the tzibor was Tameh, we would offer up the carbon in a state of Tumah, if the individual is Tameh and therefore fails to perform the carbon Pesach, Halach he's not subject to Karis. Right, to make a Pesach, which as we already saw before Halach we already saw before Halach does not apply to the Tzibur. Right? There's, remember again, we've seen this because what did the Pasuk say? Ishki ish ish. Pesach Sheni is only a din by individuals, not a din by the collective. So Pesach Sheni doesn't apply to the collective, the Isebi Yachid does apply to the individual. So the Gemara says, That's different, say because again, remember, the reason why Pesach Sheni doesn't apply to the Tzibur is because the Tzibur already performed the mitzvah on Pesach Rishon. So the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, I might have thought that the only person who is subject to Kares for failure to perform the carbon Pesach is as follows. Someone who was Tar, Tar, wasn't too far away. That the only person who's subject to Kares for failure to perform a carbon Pesach is someone who was in a personalistically pristine state, able to do it, and was in proper geographic proximity. So you had the perfect ability to perform the carbon Pesach, but you didn't do so. Failure to perform the carbon with perfect circumstances, that results in kares. However, how do I know Tommy Sheretz, RL, Tommy Sheretz, Ushar Kolot Meminai? How do I know that's not true? Even if someone is an RL, or someone is Tame with a variety of different types of Tumah, and they fail to rectify their state, do the current Pesach, that Allah said they're Chayv Kares as well. Tamalomar, Vehaish. The Pasuk says Vaish, a general statement, Ish, which seems to be a catch all, that essentially if you did not perform the carbon Pesach, and because of, a, because of a particular situation that you could have rectified, but you instead chose not to, and therefore you failed to perform the carbon Pesach, that Shechayiv Karis, to which the words Vaish, mid Kamahadra, Tame Sheretz. So we'll say the fact that it says ultimately and includes in here Tuma Sheretz, Kasavar in Shochtin Vizarkin al Tame Sheretz. Because it would appear to be that we don't shecht and do zrika for someone who's coming to Masharetz. Because if we would, then should be included in the case of a regular guy. So we'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here that there is a level of karban, not a level, there is carbonic liability, there's a chiyuv of carbon Pesach upon an individual, even though he is currently unfit to give the carbon, to, give the, to offer the carbon Pesach. So we'll say, this is a really fascinating idea. The Yomar's Havamino was, I would have thought that maybe Kares, which is the liability for non-performance of the carbon Pesach, only applies to individuals who are 1,000% fit to currently offer the carbon. What the Yomar now is suggesting is that even someone who is not currently fit, like an RL, or Tumashar, so we'll say, why does the Yomar give the example of Tumashar? Because what's the duration of Tumasharetz? What's the duration? 
just that day. Right? You touch a dead sharetz, you go to the mikvah, and that night you're tar already, which means that even if you're a Tommy Tumash Sharetz on Erev Pesach, that is a rectifiable state. So therefore the Gemara says, you see from here that halacha lamaisa, even if you are presently unfit, but you have a rectifiable state and you fail to do so, that's a chiv karis. Avagav So the Gemara said, we see from here that even though the individual is currently now not fit, and even though again his state does not apply to the tzibor, but it applies to the yachid, failure to rectify his personal state will result in karis. Rather, Rav says, Kasav Rabbi says, you're right, you know what, we do shecht and do zrika on behalf of someone who's tamay tomah sheretz. Same thing will be for a person who's tamay tomah meis, who still needs a seventh-day sprinkling. So lemai, la'achila, what will we do it for? Ultimately, again, to permit consumption. Achilas p'sachem lo ma'akva. Prabhu said, the consumption of the current Pesach is not ma'akiv. It turns out, therefore, that carbon Pesach is being shechted for people who will not consume it. No, no, no. The case of Shalom Yochlav, as we saw before, is talking about someone who physically can't eat. These individuals are fit for consumption. Well, no, they're not fit for consumption. These individuals are, 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 are able to consume, but rather, again, there is a natural state that is preventing them from doing those. So, I will say, so what turns out over here is that there is liability for a state of Tuman Erev Pesach, or, or Arevos for that matter, that you could rectify. The only time that you are exempt from Pesach Rishon and ultimately deferred to Pesach Sheni is if you are in an unrectifiable state, Derech Rechoka, or in the midst of your seven days of Tumah. That's when ultimately, again, you are deferred. Let's just finish the sugya. Klal Amr Rabbi Akiva. Remember again, Rabbi Akiva said a rule. This is how the Mishnah ends. And the rule of Rabbi Akiva essentially is, when it comes to Karban Pesach being performed on Shabbos, how do you know what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do? Rabbi Kiva says it's very simple. Anything you could have done before Shabbos must be done before Shabbos and can't be done on Shabbos. Only activities which can't be done on Shabbos itself are permitted on Erev Pesach that falls on Shabbos. Shabbos essentially says like this. Anything before Shechita, bringing the animal, bringing the knife, all of that could have been done before Shabbos. Therefore, you must do it before Shabbos, can't do it on Shabbos. Anything post-Shechita, and that's part of the sacrificial service, can be done on Shabbos with the exception of roasting the animal. Roasting the animal, and for that matter, carrying the animal out of the base of Mikdosh, that could be done post-Shabbos, and therefore must be done. So the Gemara says as follows, Amar Yehuda, Amar Rav, Halacha Krabi Akiva. We'll say, Halacha Lamaisa, Therefore, any activity which could have been done before Shabbos must be done before Shabbos. Only those activities related to the Karim Pesach which could not have been done before Shabbos do you have a license to perform on Shabbos. And the Gemara says, by the way, The same halacha follows by Bismillah. By Bismillah, Rabbi Akiva makes the same statement. Mila, Shev Shalasos, Merev Shabbos, Doch HaSashabbos. So we'll say, for example, Merev Yekiva says the same halacha by Mila. By Bris Mila, anything that could not have been done before Shabbos could be done on Shabbos. So we'll say, what's an example of something that cannot be done before Shabbos that has to be done on Shabbos by Mila? What's the example? The Mila, right? The Bris itself. 
Everything else can be done before Shabbos. You can bring the knife before Shabbos. You can bring the cloths before Shabbos. Bring the diaper before Shabbos. All that has to be done, that can't be done on Shabbos. The only thing that can be done on Shabbos itself, ultimately, again, is the milah, the subsequent bandaging. So the Gemara says, by the way, Rabbi now we have two statements, both by Karmbezak and by Mila, that same principle. On Shabbos, you are only allowed to do things which could not have been done before Shabbos. But anything that could have been done before Shabbos, Halacha must do before Shabbos. Tushik Gemara says, but why do I need to stay? All you need to do is highlight this principle in one place. So either highlight it by Mila or by Pesach, and I could have made this a rule that would apply to all circumstances. Utsuicha, I'll tell you why I need both. Because if it would have just illustrated this halacha of Rabbi Akiva by Pesach, so I would have said, "Hasam who demachshire mitzvah lo dachu Shabbos misham delo nichrus to aleh shlosh esrei brisos avamila de nichrus to aleh shlosh shlosh esrei brisos emolitri." Because we'll say, if I would have just said that halacha was Rabbi Akiva by Pesach, I would have said the stuff go by Pesach. But by mila, maybe all activities of mila are doches Shabbos, even if they could have been done before Shabbos. Why? Because we'll say there are thirteen covenants which surrounds the mitzvah of bris milah. What does it mean, 13 covenants? The word bris is mentioned 13 times in the discussion between Avram, Avram and HaKadosh Baruch Hu by bris milah, which Chazal has said that there are 13 covenants that are affected when you do bris milah. Something so powerful, something so profound, maybe I would say that even machshiri mitzvah, which could have been done before Shabbos, are doches Shabbos. Therefore, again, the Haggimara has to say that Allah Chafal is Rabbi Akiva, that machshire milah natoche Shabbos. Only things which could not have been done before Shabbos are done on Shabbos, but anything which could have been done before Shabbos is not toche Shabbos. The Ashmoina milah hasam hu de machshire mitzolo dachu Shabbos. The leka kares. Ava pesach tika kares ema litri. Therefore, tzicha. And I will say, if I would have just said it by pesach, I would have said, it's tafka by pesach, which carries with it a penalty of kares. I'm sorry. If I would have just said it by milah, I would have said it's Mila that Machshire Mitzvah Natoche Shabbos, but by Pesach, which carries a penalty of Kares, maybe even Machshire Mitzvah Ardoche Shabbos as well. Kamash Bolan, that's not the case. Therefore, we'll say, Allah Chalamais, we end, close out the sugya with the Allah of Rabbi Akiva, namely, again, that Rabbi Akiva holds that in general, we've seen now both by Mila as well as by Pesach, that mitzv- aspects of the Mitzvah which could not have been done before Shabbos may be done on Shabbos. But any part of the mitzvah which could have been performed before Shabbos is not Docha Shabbos. Shkara, we'll stop over here.